0: All right, uh, we're going to get into Acts chapter 3 this morning, uh, but before I do, uh, it sure is good to have some great uh, fellowship today. Uh, the, there is definitely a good, a, a good vibe in the room today, uh, this morning, and uh, I personally am grateful for friends. Uh, just kind of coincidentally today, uh, a whole mess of people are here uh, that are very important to me from... Uh, from uh, way back and from more currently, and uh, Jenny, used to be Chapa, uh, is coming through town from Milwaukee, and uh, back when Christine and I helped with the teens in the Milwaukee church, uh, Jenny was just a little kid. Uh, Now she's Jenny Tabor, she's married, she's doing great, Uh, and it's just always great to see uh, Jenny uh, Chapa, or Tabor, as it were. Uh, And so, uh, also my mother in law is here uh, uh, from the Milwaukee area as well, uh, and for those of you that are married for any length of time, you realize, of course, your spouse is an extremely uh, important entity, but you marry the family, right? And uh, I definitely hit the jackpot uh, when, it, when it comes to my in-laws, and uh, a huge part of that Cece CC uh, is phenomenal. And, so, uh, and then I also have a couple friends here uh, just from Eau Claire. We've lived here for about six and a half years, and uh, one of the first people I met is back there. I'm, I know he's going to just be mortified that I'm pointing him out. <laughs> Uh, But my good friend, John, is uh, one of my uh, greatest friends. And uh, when we moved here six and a half years ago, without going into many details, I was a hot wreck mess of a human being. Can I get a witness? Yes. And uh, John was just a breath of fresh air in a a time of uh, a really difficult time. And uh, he really helped me sort of uh, keep a good focus and and not uh, let that dark dog get too far into my world. Uh, and so it's great to have John here. And then my uh, fast forwarding a couple of years. Uh, Julian, uh, my friend is here. and Julian is uh, a writer. and once upon a time he did a little article for me uh, in the newspaper uh, at a time when I was really trying to get some traction uh, with my business and my woodworking. And uh, because of that, I really do credit uh, things for sort of taking off. And uh, since then we've become fast friends and uh, it's just great to have you here this morning, Julian. So, Nonetheless, uh, we are here, and if you are visiting here today, we're studying out this year as a church, the Book of Acts. And uh, the Book of Acts is a book in the Bible that is a wonderful history book of the early church. It happens in the Bible, in the New Testament, right after the Gospels, and and the Gospels are uh, a detailed account of the life of Jesus, what He did, what He taught, uh, where He went, uh, what He was all about. Uh, As Christians, that's what we grab onto, That's, that's what we do. We follow Jesus, and so we're very interested in his life and his words and his teachings. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but after that, the book of Acts depicts the early church. So Jesus is uh, physically gone. He ascends into heaven, uh, and now the, the people in that early church have to figure out how do we do this, right? And so it's a wonderful history book, and in Acts chapter 3, in my opinion, it's a, it's a very important and critical book because the first two chapters in Acts are kind of like this mountaintop kicking off corporate experience, if you will. In other words, in Acts chapter 2, you see everyone's gathered together. uh, And it's like, I equate it as as a Christian to like a big event. Like the teens, they go to camp. And it's this big thing where they all look forward to going, and it's just super spiritual time. Or maybe it's a conference that we attend from time to time. We had the REACH conference. Uh, a, a year or two ago in St. Louis. And uh, those are great spiritual times. But then what really is important is, is, is when you come down the mountain, if you will. Uh, in, in, in the history of the Christian church, this is extremely important because the, 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 the early Christians had to decide, what is this going to be like? Uh, and they had to decide, am I going to follow the spirit of God that now lives in me? and forget about my old self? Or am I gonna kinda lean back to the the ways I used to be uh, and just sort of, let's make a neat religion, if you will. And so over the generations as Christians, we've had, every generation has had to figure that out and some have done well and some have not done so well. The early generation of Christians did a pretty solid job of deciding, you know what, we now live. This is not just a religion, this is a spirituality, this is our identity, we live. Uh, as, as people of Jesus, does that make sense? So we're going to get in here, and I'm just going to read kind of through it, and I'll interrupt it, and I hope that doesn't wreck the whole thing, but uh, we'll just, we'll just kind of work our way through this scripture uh, and see what it has in store, see how they did. Uh, so the of my message is down the mountain, and, and, and the, it's, it's how, if you condense the idea that I'm trying to talk about, is how tuned into the Spirit of God are we when we leave church, right? When we leave the big event, how are we doing? And that's what we're learning here this morning. So starting in Acts chapter three, uh, verse one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I'm gonna stop right there. So if, you're, if we're concerned about like, how are they doing? This is a good sign, right? For a couple of reasons, because we see two Christian guys and they're together. And that's a huge Part of how well we do spiritually, right? If we're out just sort of saying, Yeah, I'm gonna live for Jesus, but we're just not around other spiritual entities, chances are it's not gonna go well. They were together, and that's a good thing. And where were they going? It says here, they were going to the temple to the time of prayer. So obviously, they're maintaining early on after the big day of Pentecost. Uh, days earlier, they're, they're, they're establishing a, a spiritual rhythm. They're going to pray. This is a good thing. This is a good sign for the early church, right? Verse 2. Now a man, was lame from, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money right? So, I don't know if any of you have encountered a situation like this in your life. Probably have uh, many times, uh, but this guy who is, he's, he's limited. He's, 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 we learn a little bit later, he's 40 years old, and he's being brought to the temple courts, and he's there to, to beg. He's there to ask people for help, right? And Peter and John go in there, uh, and I, and I, I will say I'm impressed with this guy because obviously he has some serious limitations, but yet he's doing what he can to take care of himself, right? He's being brought somewhere. It's easy if you are really down and out or you have some serious issues that you're dealing with in life to go like just hide and, and you know, hope people help you and not really fend for yourself. This guy's out there, and that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of guts just to be there. They bring him there. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever been asked for money before, whether it's you know, walking down the street or uh, you know, by the bus stop or whatever. But I have several times, and, I, and one thing is I, is I consider times like that is, is, it never fails to reveal the current state of my heart when I'm asked by somebody for money. And my responses have been all over the place over the years. Uh, But one thing that happens is when that happens, even if I can see it from a distance, it's like all of a sudden there's stuff coming up, like, and it can range from, I'm, man, I'm just busy and I don't, you know, look away, just, I got to get somewhere, I mean, maybe I'll cross the street even, or at least just like not, don't make eye contact, I don't have time for this, I got to get somewhere, Life's you know, busy, right? Sometimes we do that. Sometimes uh, I can be like skeptical, right? Like, What's that guy going to do with my money, right? Get jaded, a little bit critical uh, in our hearts about that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm feeling generous. I'm feeling willing. I got some money. Things have been going well lately. Why not? I'll engage. Let's do this, right? So you can be all over the place, but man, when somebody asks you for something like that, you're going to get a, like an instant barometer of where am I at? So let's see how these guys dealt with it. Verse 4. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So obviously this guy, he was like, hey guys, do you have any money? And he must have looked away, right? And maybe it was just, man, the guy's living in a state of humiliation in a lot of ways. He's, hey guys, can you help me? Maybe he puts his head down or maybe he's looking around. I'm sure he's used to being uh, rejected quite often in this line of, of, of work, in this vocation, right? But these guys come in and they look straight at him, right? They're engaging him. Uh, and this is positive. And it says, so the man gave them his attention. He's probably like, oh, okay, it's on. I might get some dough here. I'm going to, and maybe, you know, uh, of course, this guy's used to looking and watching people that he's asking. So he he's probably pretty in tune with, you know, who's, who's open and who's not, who's in a hurry, who is jaded and all that sort of thing. And so he looks at these guys and he's thinking, ooh, I got one on the line here, right? I got a bite, right? And so he's looking at them and they're looking at him and he's gauging and he's sitting up maybe as best he can and he's like, okay, what do you guys got? Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. I don't know about you, but if there's one time I don't want to be generous in my life at all, like, it's when I'm, and when I'm broke, when I'm chasing bills around, when I'm stressed out about the finances. When I can't pay the bills, I don't want to ha- I, A, I can't give you money, and B, I'm usually a little preoccupied with how am I going to make ends meet, right? Kudos to Peter. He didn't have any money, and I'm going to go on the fact that he wasn't lying. I've done that before. I don't have any money when there's, like, you know, fat stacks in my back pocket. But I'm going to guess... Uh, The Apostle Peter didn't have any money, right? Right. All right. So he says, silver and gold, I I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give you. He's in this posture of giving, generosity. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles, they became strong. And he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is an amazing scene, right? First of all, I can't help but think, you know, Peter, we know him in the Bible as the guy who, he's zealous And there's, at times, he can get a little bit ahead of himself and say things that probably he wished. It's kind of like Chris Moose, right? He shoots from the hip a little bit. uh. Yeah. He hasn't been doing that lately. But Peter, I mean, Peter's the guy who told Jesus, he called Jesus Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan, right? So I can't help but think, and I don't know, I no grounds for this whatsoever, but I imagine the look on John's face when the, he said, in the name of Jesus, walk. I bet John was like, oh, geez. Here we go again. I better start praying quietly here because Peter and his guy, he walk." And maybe Peter had a half a second and when he said that, he was reaching down for the guy's hand. Oh, gosh, what did I just say? Please walk. But the guy, he reaches out and he touches this guy, right? I'm not sure this guy experienced much physical contact. When you're a beggar, you know, people at best, they're like, here, here you go. Peter reaches out and touches this guy. And I'm thinking that had to be a great moment. And while he's being touched, this guy, 40 years old, from birth, he's not been able to walk. And he can feel something happening, right? He can feel this, this power, and he, he's like, whoa. And he gets up off the ground for the first time. And he's instantly able to... He jumps up, it says. He jumps up. It's like, Whoa. and then he's jumping some more. He's Whoa. he's walking, and man, he's cruising all over the place, and he's pumped, and he's praising God. He's like, wow, I'm healed. This is an amazing time. This is a beautiful moment in the gospel where someone took time to give, and they changed somebody's whole life forever and ever. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and so right here in time now, Peter and And John, they had a choice to make. This guy's pumped up. They could I mean, they they had a choice to do whatever they wanted next. They could have fist bumped and been like, man, that was cool. Let's cruise. Let's do this more uh, or find somebody else. They could have thought in their heads, you know what? We changed one life today. Now let's go back to our own stuff and maybe tomorrow we'll change another life, right? They had all these choices in what to do. They could have ducked out, got a little puffed up. Who knows? But instead what we see as we read on is they, what they were most important uh, and focused on is sharing the thing that they had that was of the very greatest value to them, right? So we read on here. Before we read on, I do wanna give a little context here. So we gotta understand, so they're in this temple court, so you got the, 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 the mostly the religious folks of that time, the, the Jewish population, they were there, they went to the temple as it was their custom to pray. But you also have to understand it was just a couple months earlier that Jesus was put to death, right? If you, and, and of course, uh, we understand that the Jews put Jesus to death. So you, you got this, this climate there in Jerusalem where the, Roman, the Romans governed uh, the whole town, but within that, the Jews lived, and they actually, the Romans wanted to release Jesus. But the Jews were like, no, no, no crucify him. So there's all this tension and just a, just a short just like days earlier this day the big mountaintop experience in Acts chapter two of the day of Pentecost came and where Peter, again up preaching uh, and, and all sorts of miraculous things were happening he's, he's preaching the message of the early church and it says three thousand people decided to become Christians that day. many people didn't. there were thousands and thousands of people in this room and so there's a, very, there's a lot of tension going on right now in, this, in the city of Jerusalem with all of these different things happening. And so, kind of really incentive for Peter, boy, they killed Jesus. If I keep opening my mouth, right, what's going to happen to me? We just healed one guy. It, the invitation to call it good enough here for Peter and John was super great. Uh, and, but instead, they saw an opportunity to glorify God all the more. So we'll read here in verse 11. You guys tracking on all this? Okay. While the man held on to Peter and John, so I'll stop again. (laughs) Think about it. He's holding on to them now, right? And he's pumped up. He wants to be close to him. But the fact of the matter is, this guy's been running and jumping for the first time in his life. And for 40 years, I'm guessing there's some atrophy happening up in his lung. He's not had much cardiovascular, like, you know, treadmill sort of thing. So after all this running around and the adrenaline of, holy cow, I can walk, he's like, he's probably like, I'm sticking around here. But just let me just grab. So that's how I see it. Anyways, uh, the man held on to Peter and John and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When people saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? They're very quick right here to deflect any... this. It, this isn't about me. Let me let, let's give credit to where credit is due. This is a beautiful thing. And then he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. And then he's kind of coming at him here in a way, but I think he's got a real compassionate voice. He says, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. He's reminding them, man, guys, just a little while ago, a couple months back, remember this? This is what happened. And he's connecting these dots. You handed him over to be killed. Lost my place. Okay. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. So the, the disciples had the, the, the opportunity. When they, when they killed Jesus, Jesus raised from the dead, and they spent time with him, man, and they want, to, they want to express this. They want to communicate this. We're witnesses. We saw this. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed them, as you can all see. He could have stopped right there. This is a great message. Now, fellow Israelites, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God. He's calling these people, this mass of people that had assembled here, uh, uh, to repent. He's calling them out to change their ways. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, and times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs to the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abra- Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. We'll stop right there. So it's clear these guys put an enormous value on their faith it wasn't about healing somebody it wasn't about how they looked it wasn't about the risk that they were putting out but their their value was so highly on man we have this thing that is so enormously valuable that we can't help but share it even if you're going to kill us and they actually put them in jail a short while later that's chapter four i've been told not to go and mingle into that uh chapter so we won't do that just kidding it's so not true it's not true (laughs) um But these guys had several points in time along the way in this little exchange where they could have ducked out and saved face or not put themselves in such great risk. But time and time again, they just went, they ran to it because their heart was, man, I just wanna share this with you. And they were thinking so eternally instead of temporarily. And so I equate this to these guys were were very spiritually in tune, right? They're in tune spiritually. They're, running at the, they're hitting on all cylinders, if you will. And so as a guy, I build furniture for a living. If you're visiting here, I don't, I'm not the boss around here. Uh, well, Jesus is actually, but Joel's our pastor. He leads the church. But I, I build things. And so I have a, a shop with tools and a sawmill and like woodworking tools and things. And so I know the importance of a finely tuned tool. When a tool isn't, everything isn't running well, you can, you can usually hear a little something's off and you, you kind of get to know your tools, and man, if you don't fix them, they tend to really get worse, and then all of a sudden something catastrophic happens, and now you have a large expense. And so I got a new tool a couple months ago, and I brought it in here today. Uh, I got some It's a very impressive tool, and I just had to show it to you, because I think it, there's connections here. Uh, and it's called an Alaskan sawmill. They're going to bring it out here. And here we go, a uh, little bigger than your average sawmill, or I mean chainsaw uh, bar, it's 66 inches, and this is a steel 064. Uh, thank you, Spencer, you're doing a great job. Thank you, Garth. Uh, this has 88 cc's uh, and plenty of torque, and this isn't just for anybody to, to mess around with, but I also have a picture of this thing in action. So you don't just pick this thing up and start lopping trees off with, you know, freehand. <laughs> It's actually used there's a rack system there, and underneath it is the chainsaw. I'm on the far end uh, with good respiratory habits, right, honey? Uh, and then my, my buddy Rick's over there, and we're what, what this thing does is actually makes slabs of wood uh, out of really big logs, and so part of the stuff I do involves this, and so So I got this tool a couple months ago, and I'm excited. Did a little research on it because the sawmill, the other sawmill, I have only can cut a log up to about like this. This guy, well, you can just see, is uh, capable of much, much more. Uh, But only only if it's in tune. So we get this thing in the shop, and I'm excited. And we get it all set up. And the first thing you got to realize is a normal chainsaw has a—they have these blades here. Uh, the chains and they go around there's little blades on them and they have to be sharp of course but this kind of chainsaw requires a little different angle on the blade than your average saw because when you if you'd use this with an average uh, uh uh chainsaw blade you'd go into the wood and it would it's it's very aggressive right and with trying to cut so much wood it either it either jumps into the wood so much and the the motor seizes up or it'll actually it's very dangerous it'll kick back uh, and this thing, you don't want to wield this around when it's spinning. I mean, people can get hurt uh, extremely, uh, like, fatally if, you, if you're not really careful. And so, it took me a while to figure this out, and so I had to get the right blade. And this is, has a, a lesser angle, and it's, it's better. So, we got that set up after it was wrong to begin with. The other thing with these chainsaws is there's two little places you put fluids, and one of them is for the, the bar oil. Most of you guys know this, a lot of the guys are nodding, yeah, I know this, I got a chainsaw. And the bar oil isn't to fuel the motor, the bar oil is actually to drip on the blade as it turns around, right? So as you're cutting wood, there's a lot of friction and it gets hot. And so if you drip oil on here, uh, it lubricates that and kind of keeps it working well, it keeps everything flowing. Well, the problem with just this one here is that by the time it gets all the way down here, this oil drips here, and it's coming around the bend, it's kind of out of oil, right? So things were getting hot and not working well. So you can see on there, I don't have a laser, but there's a little tank up there with a white cap on the left part of the forklift there, and that's an auxiliary oiler, right? So we use that for this end, so it's dripping right here so that when you're cutting the wood, it's, it's well lubricated. I'm probably more excited than any of you about this. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Uh, And then the last thing is, normally you put 50 to one fuel in this, uh, but you can actually burn this machine up if you do that. With this, you need 40 to one. You need a little extra because there's a lot of power here, right? And so again, you run the risk. If you have the wrong fuel in here, uh, and you start using it, you'll burn up the whole motor. And if you burn up the whole motor, that's basically worthless, right? And so that's my sermon, have a good day. (laughs) Now, why do I say this? Why do I say this? Uh, I think I think those three components are like super tied into how we do as Christians and how well tuned in we are as Christians. I think about that chain and that sharp, sharpening that chain, and I think about that as our relationships with each other. There's a scripture in Proverbs 27:17: "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." Right? When we're in close relationships. Uh, that are spiritually grounded, we're sharpening each other. And therefore, we can go out and do our work because we're smoothed out, and it's a beautiful thing. My, some of my most valuable relationships are Joel and Craig and Chris because we get together, and we're not just talking about the ball game or this and that. We're talking about our spiritual walks and how we're doing uh, living this out. And we get together and read Scripture and talk about what we're doing during our quiet times uh, and it's valuable it's rich' it's, it's needed. Uh, if we don't have that, our blades get dull yeah. and we 're just not able to function as well. Um, the bar chain oil, what is that? Uh, to me, it reduces friction uh, in, a, in, in my life when I have a healthy prayer life right I get I got I got anger issues people uh, and prayer is like that oil that it calms me, it cools me off, right? It's like it, it, it right-sizes the problems of life. When I go out and walk and pray, it's like, God, help me just, help me just be at peace with the chaos that's around. And instead of going home and kicking the dog and yelling at my teenager or uh, being critical of my wife, I can just be cool about it uh, and be Christ-like about it. Uh, Got to have that extra auxiliary oiler. I've got two oilers, uh, prayer-wise. I need two, right? Some of us can have one prayer oiler, and that, you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, but it right-sizes things. I think about the scripture in James chapter 4, uh, where the Bible says, I think it's verse 13 here, now you listen, uh, uh, you who say, today or tomorrow we will do this or go to that city, spend a year here, carry on business and make money. In other words, worry, worry, worry. Why do you not even know that what will, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. And it goes on from there. To me, a good prayer life just right sizes everything. It reminds me, man, it's just not all about these details. They'll get get taken care of. Uh, And that anger, that friction, that heat calms down. I'm like, okay, this is the best Tim here. This is great. Uh, and then finally, good fuel. What is good fuel? Uh, to me, good fuel is a commitment to following the Word of God, the commitments of Jesus. It's what fills me up. It's what I depend on to run. Bad fuel will taint you. It, you'll miss, you'll start to not click on all cylinders and bad things happen. Uh, bad fuel is like human approval. Man, if if Everybody likes me now, oh, then I'm, I'm well, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm filled up to the top, but boy, oh, I made them mad. Oh, I'm out of gas. Uh, or my bank account man, if I get X amount of dollars in my bank account, that's a good fuel right there. I feel good, I can function and be a good guy and interact. And that doesn't last, that's not sustainable. The best fuel is just the word of God, it's just staying close. Okay, what did Jesus say? How did he act? It's not some religion. It's not some, hey, if I read so many scriptures, it's about uh, being a tree planted by the water of goodness, Psalm 1, uh, when we're, we're filled up with the good things and it just never dries up. Uh, and so in closing this morning, this is Acts chapter 3, I want to encourage, encourage us all to follow the example of Peter and John uh, as we navigate through life.